Welcome to Connected, a podcast with Jess. That's me. Connections are the secret to a whole life. Recognizing the connections between us and within us, mind, body, and soul, reveals the fullest potential of our humanity. Join me as I discover what connects us to each other and to ourselves. Your mind, body, and soul were not meant to live disconnected from each other. Putting all the beautiful parts of you into one breathtakingly whole experience is what you deserve. As a life coach, I work to support your story. Together, we can set free the story of you. I bring guests onto my show so that you can hear powerful stories of other women all across the world. I want you to see how profoundly important living and telling stories is. I understand what it feels like to live under expectations and programming that are not aligned with who you are. I learned to write my own story in my year of Jess, and I want to guide you as you write the story of you. Your beauty, power, and value are already in there, in you. It's time to rise into it and uncage the limitless experience that is you. You've been held back for far too long. It's time, time to take your pen back and write the story of you. If this makes your heart leap even just a little bit, let's talk. You can find out more about working with me on my website at jessicatravis.com. I hope to hear from you soon. excited about my guest today. Um, I have the beautiful Emma Eberly with me and uh, we are going to talk about uh, some really fun stuff um, and we will have a little surprise guest towards the end of the podcast that I am super excited to talk to um, because I've only really heard anything about this guest. Um, So I actually get to uh, ask some questions and meet this person in person. Well, in person via Zoom. So um, um, I'm excited about Emma being here today because um, Emma, like me, shares a heart for um, life coaching. We met in Beautiful You Coaching Academy. And um, I am just super excited about her really fun business. Um, And I felt like it fit really well with the things that we talk about here on the Connected Podcast. So Emma... I would love it if you would introduce yourself, tell us what you want us to know about you, um, whether that's uh, what you love, what you do. I know you have um, you have a couple of things you do for a living so that I, I find very interesting. So Emma, who are you? 
Oh, Jessica Travis, what a what a big question to start off. I thought right. there might be a softball at the beginning, um, but who are you is really, really getting into yeah, it's it. Kind so of <laughs> I would say like culturally, I'm a mix of like if the Bachelor franchise took on the Fast and Furious franchise and sprinkled in a little bit of, of Harry Potter therein, I would say culturally kind of that's where I'm at, which is um, probably terrifying to think about if you think about it too hard. Um, outside of that, so I live here in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, originally from Texas, grew up there. And my background is in social work and sociology. I have a bachelor's in social work and a master's of science in applied sociology. And I spent the last decade primarily working um, as a social worker with folks surviving beyond intimate partner violence. So working mm-hmm. with uh, survivors as well as perpetrators of domestic violence and helping them begin their new chapter and work through healing. In the last two years, I decided it was time for some really big changes. And so what I did is I went to the Beautiful You Coaching Academy and got my coaching credentials as it were. And I started my coaching business, dating, mating, and more. And so now I have the real privilege of working with clients one-on-one to help them with their love lives and their love stories. And outside of that, I am a stylist for Stitch Fix. So I really enjoy sending people all over the country new looks, helping them look and feel their best. Mm. And yeah, if I'm not doing any of those things, if I'm not styling, if I'm not coaching, I usually am either watching something related to the Bachelor franchise or running (laughs) or I do a lot of cross stitch and embroidery and a lot of reading, usually more of the romance, some mysteries involved, but yeah, that's it. That was, that was the whole, that's, that's all that I'm up to right now. That's Emma in a nutshell. There is so much there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like I, I'm like trying to actually pay attention to everything that you're saying about yourself while processing all these different aspects of you. <laughs> it's really, it's really fun. I'm, I'm interested. I think that the first question that I had um, coming out of your um, description of who you are and what you love and what you do was why the big shift mm-hmm. from the work that you were doing previously to the work that you're doing now. And I know we'll get into the more of the work of what you're doing now, but that yeah. seems like a big shift. Yeah, it is and it isn't. Um, This makes me think about, there's a really sweet and silly movie called About Time where a gentleman realizes that all of the men in his family can travel back in time. Mm -hmm. And they've all used that for different reasons. Some people have done it so they could read everything they ever wanted or travel everywhere they wanted or make all the money they ever wanted. And when he realizes he has this gift, he he narrates that he knew he was going to use it for love that it was always going to be about love. This gift was always going to be about him finding and creating love. And I, I feel that way for me. I feel like my life was always going to be about love. Mm. I'm fascinated by it. I'm terrified with it. I'm enthralled with it. I think it's so curious, um, love across different cultures and everyone's individual love stories. So I think for me, it was always going to be about love. And so when I was doing social work, it was, it was a lot about Mm. what are healthy relationships and how do people um, heal from relationships that were really violent and damaging and how do they 
stop um, cycles of violence or generational cycles of violence. So within social work practice, for me, it was always about love. Mm -hmm. So when the time came to shift from doing that more direct crisis work to going into coaching and for me, coaching came about because it was something that really worked for me personally, getting, um, there's a lot of different ways to get help. And I believe in a lot of them, but I got, I came to a time in life where life coaching worked so well for me. And I just, it opened up this new chapter. So I really wanted to be able to do that from the opposite side, to do that as a coach. So once it was time to really become a life coach, once again, it was always going to be about love. That's Mm. just my bag. It's what I want to talk about. It's what I want to hear about. It's what I want to learn about. It's my quest. So in a way, it was a very big shift. And in a way, it really wasn't at all. A natural progression of of what you are already doing. I see. Well, when... I remember when I uh, first met you digitally, of course, because we have not met in person yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I first uh, really became aware of you in our class, in our school, um, we were talking about um, what types of things we wanted to focus on as life coaches. And you, I don't know if you had it planned or not, um, this uh, this dating and mating and more, but Mm -hmm. you talked about it in the group. And it was like, I think all of us just got super interested in what (laughs) you were going to be doing because it sounded, uh, it sounded fun. I think I always, whenever I hear you talk about your business, I, there's this element of it that sounds just fun, but, um, but I think there's, uh, a real depth to what you are doing in that, um, of of connecting, um, making these connections around the topic of love and relationships. Um, and I will preface, cause I know this about your business. This is not a dating business. This is not a dating website. <laughs> you don't find your match with Emma, <laughs> but, um, but I think, uh, the, the thing that I am learning from you in talking about when you have talked about your business with us has been, um, the depth of understanding of yourself, um, Mm -hmm. as you, um, as you work through the topics of dating and mating. So I would love for you to, um, just kind of dive in a little bit about, um, what it is that you do, why dating and mating, Mm -hmm. um, what is this, uh, uh, you shared a little bit about where your heart is, but what is it that you are actually doing with and for people? Sure. And again, no easy questions on the Jessica Travis Connections podcast. Uh, no yeah. softballs have been thrown. Um, those are all such good questions. And I definitely remember there was a very specific call and it was a really big group of people. Yeah. And I'm I'm not a big fan of having the spotlight. Um I was really struggling. So I, yeah. I think that was the only time in the class. There might've been one other time when I, when I um, raised my digital hand and was in front of everybody and was talking about this idea. And I did not know until I said it out loud, which is so true for me. My, my personal journey, a lot of it is learning to process internally and kind of do that, but I'm a real external processor. So I don't think 
that idea of dating, mating, and more was fully born until I was just put on the spotlight and they were just like, say out loud what you're going to do. So that's, that will always be a really special memory, a terrifying memory. I get like sweaty (laughs) when I think about it, but it was really special when it happened. And I knew that I wanted to work with people in different chapters of their love story, right? So some people, a relationship is just ending and they're healing. Some people are dating. So they're dealing with swiping and profiles and trying to meet people in real life. And some people have new relationships and some people have really established relationships with children and houses and all these different things. And I wanted to be able to work with people in those different chapters And while those different chapters are distinct, right, they each have their own set of questions and concerns and blessings and curses, they are all so intertwined, Mm. right? It's not a linear journey. It's not even a cycle, right? It's like if you look at an overpass in a big city, it just looks like a hot mess. It's looping back and forth Mm. and they're all connected in interesting ways. So people who are are single and dating are not the only people who are wondering if this is a good time for them to be in a relationship. They're not the only people wondering what they're looking for, right? That happens at any stage of a relationship. Just like people who are going through a breakup are not the only people who are in a healing process and, and considering, you know, what they need to heal from. And just like people who are in partnerships are not the only people who are trying to figure out how to balance their own needs with the needs of other people. And so it's this task of how do we kind of savor this stage that we're in, you know, this chapter of our love story or this phase of dating and mating, but also how do we connect all these other different pieces of our stories and of our journey in love. And for me, that kind of all comes back to this idea that dating and mating is a mindset. It's showing up with an intentional focus on creating connection and passion and play and learning and community, right? So how we date is how we live. It's a process that we're learning from and experiencing. And so I wanted to bring all of that in. And also, as if that wasn't enough, as if that wasn't a really complicated jumble of concepts and words all put together, there's the and more, right? So dating, mating, and more, because we're always doing more than just dating and mating, right? Our love life impacts our careers and our health journeys and what we're looking for. And in turn, right, we're creating careers that can support relationships, or we're learning to relate to our bodies in ways that can support our love life. So there's always this part of and more going on. And so when clients come to me, they're doing all of that great work, right? They're looking at the specific Mm. phase and what they're trying to do. They're trying to connect past with what they also want in the present and what they're hopeful for in the future. And then they're also trying to get a bunch of other stuff done and figure out how all of that connects. And so it's a really complicated, beautiful, wonderful, terrifying, annoying journey that folks are going on. And I just wanted to be able to put that into one succinct phrase. And essentially that is dating, mating, and more. And this idea of thinking of dating and mating as a mindset and realizing that when we talk about the relationship that we want to have, we're really talking about who we want to be and the life that we want to live. Wow. That is, um, 
Yeah, I think I think one of the things as you know, as I had journeyed through my uh, finding connections back to myself and putting all the parts of my life, the different aspects that that are involved in me, um, relationships is obviously one of those. But we often set relationships over here on this shelf and we set Mm -hmm. the me over here on this shelf and we don't often um, interconnect those. Um, I, I think we do to a point of what do I want? What am I getting? What am I not getting in a relationship? But to mm-hmm. actually take the time to identify um, who I am before, in the middle of, or after a relationship, um, I think is that's 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 where the hard work comes, right? <laughs> <laughs> that introspective mm-hmm. uh, aspect of of growing ourselves and that process of our relationships. I know for me, um, going through my husband and I went through a really, um, really difficult space, um, probably three and a half years ago. And, um, I found that at times it was, I I had to learn to start compartmentalizing as it became a coping skill. It wasn't something that Mm -hmm. I should have done, but, um, where you, okay, work is over here and I'm going to be, I I have this person that exists here in my job. And these are the tasks that I do over here. This is the, you know, personal life goals for me. It was running in triathlon and over here Mm -hmm. are my relationships. And, um, you tend to, if you don't interconnect those, you tend to elevate one more than the other. And put yeah. emphasis on one more than the other. So this idea that you're talking about of being very um, connected all the way through those things, um, the and more part is really intriguing to me. Um, do you specifically work with people in um, in the middle of a difficulty in relationships? I know that there's there's obviously relationship counseling. Um, mm-hmm. You've talked about doing social work. Um what is it? Do you bring that into your coaching or is that a bit uh, separate from what you do? Like if I were to come to you mm-hmm. and say, hey, I'm, I'm having trouble in this relationship. Can you meet with me and my partner? Is that is that what you do or are you more individual like you want to work with me? Mm-hmm. That's a that's a really great question. And most people, I would say, my, I know this was certainly true for me. If you're in a chapter of your life where everything is just going great, you are just like crushing Mm -hmm. it. Life coaching is probably not top of mind for you, right? For some people, it might be. Their story might be like, I was doing great. And I was like, what if I also went to therapy or got life coaching or saw a shaman? (laughs) Like, could it be even better? And like, if that's where you're at, like, get it, do it. I love it. But for most of us, there comes a, a really difficult season right? Whether it's just that you know that you'd like to be in a relationship, but the idea of reading someone else's profile just like makes you want to Mm. crawl inside a bag of Cheetos and live there forever. Or you're in a relationship and it just doesn't feel the way you want it to feel, right? So you Mm -hmm. sought out this relationship because you wanted to feel playful and passionate and connected because you had this shared dream. You really enjoyed talking about the things you were going to do together and spending time together. And now it doesn't feel that way. And you're unclear about, well, has this run its course? Is it the end? Is it just a difficult chapter? Um, I've changed. My partner's changed. You know, 
it could be any number of things, but you run into a difficult time. And I think a lot of people, I think anybody in a relationship, I know certainly I have been, um, you're wondering how unhappy is too unhappy mm-hmm. and how long is too long to be unhappy, mm-hmm. right? Because going into relationships, we understand there's going to be periods where we might be unhappy. Yeah. But the question is, is this too unhappy or have I been unhappy for too long? And I think most of us hope we'll never get to a place where we have to pick between being healthy and happy and being in our partnerships. We always hope that our partnerships will support our health and happiness. And in turn, that focusing on our health and happiness will make our partnerships better. Mm. And many times I think we we can figure that out and we can do that. Um, But sometimes you're going to be in that space in a relationship where the, you really truly feel like you can either be healthy and happy or you can be in this relationship. Mm. In which case, I usually encourage people to focus on their health and happiness. That doesn't answer your question. What I hope will answer your question <laughs> is that one, what, that doesn't answer your question, but one, most people come to coaching and I certainly have come to coaching because there has been a difficult season. And If you're in a difficult season, I think even if you're in a couple, seeking a place where you can do that just for you, Mm. right? Like it's just your space to be honest and to vent and to ask tough questions. I think that can be so restorative. Mm. I sometimes think the best scenario if two people are struggling together is that they go separately and get support where it's just about them. And then at some point they can come and get support together. Mm. And so a lot of people that I coach one-on-one, I just coach them. And it, it, we talk about how they can bring this coaching into their relationship, how those conversations go. That said, there are certainly opportunities for couples to get coaching together. Couples coaching can work really well if a couple is in a place where they can listen to each other, where they can have healthy conversations, right? So we're not just starting conversations constantly that get shut down or people are too hurt, right? We, if a couple is in a place where they can have good, positive, meaningful conversations, then coaching together might be really great. They might be able to have some really powerful conversations that move them forward. Mm. If they're in a place where they cannot do that, then bringing a third person into the mix, that person may need to be a counselor um, or someone who's really designed to hold that difficult space. So that's a good litmus test. If you're wondering if you would like coaching, if you're in a relationship and you're wondering if you'd like coaching on your own or in a couple, One, are you just craving a space to be on your own or not? And two, are you in a space where you can have a really positive but difficult conversation with your partner or not? And that level um, will help you understand like where you need to get support. Does that help answer your question at all? (laughs) Does that monologue help at all? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we we have um, talked a lot about um, as coaches is really understanding the difference between um, ha- going and seeing a therapist and having a life coach in your, um, in your world. And, um, we often, uh, differentiated that between, um, a therapist helping to unpack the past where a life coach is helping to equip the forward movement and, um, to support moving forward. And, um, so the idea that that's the space that you're holding for people, um, is an opportunity to, um, to, to have some self-focus, to have mm-hmm. some time to, um, 
uh, to unpack a little bit, but really with the the motivation of moving forward um, with themselves, relation their for their first relationship mm-hmm. being themselves, and then in the relationships that they're in in life. How? Um, oh, I, I have like a, a couple different <laughs> questions going through my head right now, and I'm. Well, I, I was gonna say. I was gonna say to that. I think a lot about this idea and I've been discussing this a lot with, with friends, family, clients, my own, my own sweetheart, this idea of trying to fix the car while also driving the car at the same time. Mm. And like, also the car is on fire. (laughs) Sometimes you're just trying to fix the car. Like maybe you're trying to fix the radio and you're in a pretty good place to do that. Sometimes you're trying to fix the car, but you're also driving the car. Right. So I'm thinking about all these people who are trying to work from home while also taking care of their kids or you're having a health issue and it's really difficult day to day. But you're also trying to like work on your career, work on your relationship. Right. So the days are kind of relentless. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to drive this car at the same time we're trying to fix it. And that's really difficult. Mm -hmm. Right. And so sometimes coaching can be a good space where we're, we're trying to like pull the car over. We're just trying to find times and pockets to pull yeah. the car over so that we're working on fixing it while we're not also driving it at the same time. And then sometimes you're trying to fix something in the car while you're driving the car and the car is on fire, like straight up on fire. Like you can't, mm. you can't do anything else, whether that's you've got trauma going on that's coming up for you or you're just so truly overwhelmed that some of the basics, eating, sleeping, working, being in relationship with other people, it just all feels so painful and so hopeless and so difficult, right? And that's the time when that therapist or that really highly trained person can hold that space for you, Mm. right? It's not just about pulling the car over, which is what life coaches help us do so we can get that repair done. It's about like, I need someone to help me put this fire out. <laughs> yeah. So that, and I, that's got to happen first. And so that's, that's one of the ways that I really, I really think about it. That's mm-hmm. probably the fast and furious influence coming in, but yeah, being, being really compassionate. I think sometimes, you know, and I, I'm sure you've had this experience and you're just like, I don't know why I can't do whatever it is. I don't know why we never stick to date nights. I don't know why I can't lose this 10 pounds. I don't know why I can't do this. And it's like, oh, but aren't you also working? And aren't you also raising children? And aren't you also like going on these blind dates? And aren't you also, and then it's also this other layer of like, well, and also don't you have a lot of the past wounds that you're dealing with? aren't you also living in a time with a pandemic? Aren't you also (laughs) your, your Facebook feed and your Instagram, isn't it filled with people who are really and rightly so angry and terrified? And aren't you absorbing that energy? So it can be so hard to be compassionate on ourselves. We're like, why can't I fix the car radio? And it's like, well, because you're driving the car right now. Oh, and also the car is on fire. So like (laughs) be compassionate with yourself and then trying to figure out what level is most appropriate? Is it that we we just need someone to help us pull the car over? Or is it that the car is truly on fire and we need someone to help us put that out? That is such a great um, analogy. I think one that's going to stick in my mind for a long time. It's <laughs> it's almost like a self-checklist. Okay, I'm in the car. That's yes. working. <laughs> yes. Um, I have it turned on. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's like seriously a a checklist of, uh, mm-hmm. of really, really taking, um, 
taking a measurement of everything that you mm-hmm. have going on at once. And the word yeah. that comes to mind for me is like immense grace on yourself. Like, yes, just, just sit for a moment and understand the space that you are in in life. That's yeah. I I'm going to tuck that away. I think that's going to be one of those <laughs> uh, pictorials that, that ride with me for a while. Yeah. Um, and I tried, I tried Googling it the other day. Cause I was like, I feel like someone told me this or I read this yeah. somewhere, this idea. And I, I wasn't able to find it. So maybe if you're listening to this and you know, who said that originally, um, but I, I, yeah, think, we, I, I think we can, we can say this was a, a pictorial <laughs> by Emma Everly. There and we I, go. I, th- I think uh, we can land there. Yeah. And I, I just remember that, that so distinctly there was this, this chapter mm-hmm. in my own, I've been married for about five years and we were, I we had, I had this time where I was like, I just, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I'm not feeling sexy. I'm not feeling connected. I'm, I just don't know. I can't seem to do it. And I had just gained so much weight and I'm so uncomfortable. And I was, I was just so down on myself and I was having these conversations that couldn't sink in where, you know, a friend or a coach would say, well, like also, didn't you just like have this crazy injury? Didn't you like kind of fall through a floor? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm in pain all the time. And you'd be like, okay, okay. Also that. Um, and they'd be like, be that. yeah. And then don't you work with people who are really truly in crisis. So just like every time your phone rings, something really bad is happening and you're like trying to attend to that. Mm-hmm. And then your coworkers are also in that space. And I was like, yeah, that's true. Like every day is just filled with really traumatized, angry people. And they're like, okay, 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 okay. Also that. And they were like, also, aren't you like unable to have children? Like, aren't you on an infertility journey and you're figuring that out? And I'd be like, yeah, but I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know why I can't like have this beautiful, sexy fantasy sweet bachelor relationship. And it would be like, Oh, okay. 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 So I've had to, I myself have had to learn that balance of while it is true that you're the only person who can take steps in your life. And at some point you have to find ways to hold yourself accountable. Accountability is nothing if it's not matched with compassion. Mm. If you can't have compassion for yourself and 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 really truly like like you said, have grace and love for yourself, it's just going to be so much harder to do anything else. Accountability without compassion is just a jerk. Oh, wow! Yeah. <laughs> okay, so every time I let you talk here, like you unpack a ton of shit. <laughs> So, so like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to try and remember everything you just said and take us back to a couple of those. One, one is an easy one for me. um, And that is that uh, we have something really, um, really big in common that connects you and I, and that Mm -hmm. is um, a running journey. And you just got to celebrate running your first half marathon in the middle mm-hmm. of a pandemic, so right. uh, um, which is even more kudos to you because um, it's hard enough to train and, and meet that goal, and then you add <laughs> doing it solo without the excitement of a big hoopla of a race and medals and all that fun stuff that you know helps motivate you. But um, first of all, congratulations on that because it is oh, no easy you. task. Um, anybody who has uh, put that distance in their um, uh, goal – uh, and, and makes that is just, um, I don't know, hats off because it is not easy. It is not easy. Mm. Um, what, uh, what caused you to want to do that? Cause, uh, if I understand your story, even just a little bit, this was not something that you had 
um, aspired to previously, previously in your life. This was a new goal. For no. <laughs> yeah, no. And my, my sweetheart teases me about this. Um, and this was a good lesson for me in life that you can just be really wrong about something. I had this really <laughs> firm concept of myself that I was like, I do not like this. Like, I do not like exercise. I do not like running. Like, I don't, I don't even think I like people who like those things. Yeah. Like I, I had this really firm concept of myself, um, as that. And I, I've said this before. I think I just, I don't know if I just became so desperate or so humbled, but I was just in a place where I was like, well, whatever else I have been trying has not been working. So maybe there's something to this. Enough people have said that this, that this helped them walking and Mm. running, that this made a huge difference in their life. So nothing seems to be working. And, and I, and I, I just was craving having a different feeling in my body. So I, this is the dumbest story, but we were doing house renovation and we took one of those like grates that's on the floor off so we could paint it. So there was just like a floor, like a hole in the floor and I stepped in it. So I like half of me was in the basement. I like wishboned my hip and I was, and it was just such a stupid small thing to have done. And it just hurt so much. And I just had to go on this long Mm -hmm. journey to figure out um, how to get my hip to work again and to be comfortable. And I think also because I was dealing with a lot of stress at work, I just felt uncomfortable all the time. And in a way that it felt kind of normal. Like I was like, I think this is just how I feel, Mm -hmm. but just sweaty and anxious and irritable. And I had a lot of trouble sleeping and digestive issues. And so, and then, like I said, on top of that, um, Vinny and I had hoped to grow our family and we just, we weren't going to be able to do that through, um, an old fashioned pregnancy that just wasn't going to happen. And so I was kind of like in this body that I was just like, uh, rude, like uncool body, like not a fan of you right now in any of these ways. I'm not a fan that like my hip doesn't work. I'm not a fan. I'm just uncomfortable all the time. And I'm not a fan that you can't give me this thing that I want this, this life chapter. And so the walking and the running just released a lot of that, that stress. Mm -hmm. And it just felt really good to be that tired. Like I was just like, I like this feeling of just being like wrung out of just like having nothing left or of having being like uncomfortable. (laughs) So that that was all I could think about. And I just (laughs) learned that like my mind could just really think about things in a new way when my body was occupied, especially running outside. And I think that's important to say, cause like running on a treadmill is like its own unique <laughs> distress tolerance. It's like, you'll learn a lot about yourself, um, running on a treadmill, but a lot of this was running outside. And I just found that I was like, sometimes I would go for a walk or a run and I would just cry. And I just, I just had something that I had to get out, but I couldn't even really access it mm. until I was like running because I guess at that point my body was, was doing its own thing. And so my mind could just kind of go there. So I'm meandering now, but the point is that I got to a place that I think many people have gotten to where it just wasn't tenable. I just like my relationship to my body wasn't tenable. I wasn't enjoying it. I was so uncomfortable Mm. and being able to see myself succeed inch by inch. Mm. So quarter mile to half a mile to a mile 
um, just loving that feeling of being so exhausted that I just like couldn't be upset or um, seeing myself become stronger and just really enjoying that feeling of like realizing I could kind of get into this meditative space. All of those things really, really helped. And they were something that my sweetheart and I could share. That's something that he's always been really into. Um mm and has wanted me to be a part of. And I was just like, but I don't like that. That's not my thing. And so it's been a nice thing for us to be able to share as well Mm. and support each other in and have a new way to relate to each other. So that's been a huge part of it. And uh, running with your significant person, um, not necessarily even in the same run, but having that commonality Mm. in your life brings in a whole new set of conversation and uh, vocabulary. Everything from... Uh, chafing to <laughs> to we, oh, start ta- yeah. we start talking about fuel and hydration and all these things and I found uh, my husband and I discovered running um, in our uh, mid thirties and so it was not something that we had ever done together uh, previously or individually mm-hmm. it was sort of that like who are those crazy people that run that's just kind of dumb. Yeah. And, but like you, we found it to be very, uh, for me anyway, it was very cathartic um, that I could have this space that burn off that energy. But also um, it, it was that accomplishment at every mile. Like oh, I ran more miles today than I've ever run in my life before. Like there was something that I'd finish that long run and I'd be so empowered by the number, especially when you hit the double digits like, oh my gosh, I I did 10 miles. Like (laughs) I'm one of those people that can run 10 miles. So um, yeah, I I think it's a, it's an exciting journey, but it's, I used to call it my therapist. It was um, Mm -hmm. a space where I just uh, got to work it all out, you know? Yeah. And I think for Vince and I, and I think we'll go into more of my, my individual love story as well later, but um you know, my, my husband, Vince is a little person, so he has dwarfism. And so running has never really been in the bag for him. Like he has joints and he's had a lot that have issues and he's had a lot of surgeries. And, um, and so for him, like he's always in this business of like having to take really good care of his body and kind of like reclaim and like reown Mm. his body. And so in a way he has been on that journey, I think for a lot longer than me. And he was kind of always inviting me back into that space to be like, Hey, like I see you and I've gone on this journey. Like we could go on this journey together. And I was like, I'm just going to continue to have this really big temper tantrum over here. And he's like, cool. But like, if you're ever ready, like we could do this huh. together. <laughs> and so I think that was a really nice thing that we could share. Cause we've never run together. Like that's not something that we've done but we've been able to have, we did Orange Theory Fitness together, uh, yeah. done home workouts together, and we've just been able to have this new thing to share. And it's really given me a lot of insight into him and his relationship with his body and his journey and same. And I just, I think that's something that we can so easily miss when we're in a partnership is like, are we doing anything together that's not just talking about our relationship or just like the administrative work of our relationship? Because it's entirely possible in a partnership to just talk about like your house and what needs to get done, your bills that need to get paid, or what's going on in your relationship. So what do we think about each other 
and like, how are we connecting to each other? And that's really all that's, that's what we're talking about or what's going on with our kids. If you have kids yeah, and we're missing then this big opportunity to have something else that we're sharing and that we're striving in. And whether that's like a fitness goal or a class or an artistic achievement or something that you're doing with your partner, that's not just talking about your relationship or doing the administrative task of being in a relationship. What else are we doing together that's really interesting, that's really fun, that's really different, that's challenging? And I think that was a big lesson for me and for us. It's like, what else are we doing together other than just like being in a relationship? Are we traveling? Are we working on fitness goals? Are we, you know, something like that? Does that make any sense? Absolutely. So I realized that I did, I misunderstood and thought that you guys, he had been doing this running thing in his life previously and Mm. you came into that. But what you're really talking about is this connection of self-care. Like uh, this was something that he was already putting into his life and he was asking you to join this space of, hey, it's okay to pay attention to you. It's okay to give yourself a a place to, um, to care for you. Um, So what a, that's a, that's a, that's a great thing. Um, I I do. I have so many questions about your relationship too. Um, But I did have one other question. um, Sure. And maybe this overlaps. So if we need to just kind of let them overlap, we can. Um, but you have brought up a few times in this conversation um, the topic of infertility, and yes. um, and I feel like you know now that I'm now that I'm bringing it up again, I'm going. You know what? I feel like we need to know more about your love story to understand yeah. um, or to enter into the the conversation of. Um, infertility and how you have uh, walked through that journey. Yeah. And did you want our special guest for this love story or do you want me to go ahead? Um, I would love to have your special guest. talking all around some amazing topics um, and uh, I've been trying to avoid coming here until we could have you in in this conversation because I know that a love story is not just one-sided so um, we have uh, Vince with us who is um, Emma's sweetheart and um, and I just I want to hear the love story I want to hear about you two welcome Vince (laughs) Well, uh, I guess I can start. Um, uh, so Emma and I had met um, because I had signed up to do an AmeriCorps program in Austin, Texas. And um, I'm, I'm originally from uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and had never uh, lived anywhere else. Um, and I decided to quit my job and volunteer for a year because my brother had done AmeriCorps. Um, oh, wow. And so on my first day of training, I got to the homeless shelter where I was going to work for the next year and and volunteer. It's a program called Keep Austin Housed. It's a collection of 11 nonprofits in Austin. I think 12 now that I'll deal with um, homelessness. Yes. And the... Uh, assistant director of the program or assistant program assistant let's yeah, not make it fancier <laughs> <laughs> yes I, I filed a lot of paperwork yeah. I, wasn't that, I wasn't directing I anything. got the assistant <laughs> part right um, but there was Emma 
And uh, so I was very impressed with her. I thought she was super cool. Um, but for, for the first couple of months, it was mostly just, uh, I didn't really know whether or not it, how much hanging out we could do because there was, you know, a a sort of, uh, of a hierarchical structure to our group. Because I had done the program the year before. So I was an AmeriCorps member at a young mom and babies, um, shelter and, then was actually working like for AmeriCorps to help gotcha. recruit AmeriCorps members and help with their training. And so I was not an AmeriCorps member. I was like working for AmeriCorps at that time. Yeah. And I, I loved her sense of humor. I was so impressed. Um, you know, I, I was coming from the, the programming world. And I think one of the things that's fascinating about all of us and the, 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 partners that we choose is um they have their own expertise and fields that seem like magic to you because mm. they're so outside of your context yeah um and so I was coming at it from never having experienced social work and Emma was coming at it from that being her adult life up to that point point. Okay. Um, so which I is was, funny because now you've worked for two tech nonprofits. you still work in the tech nonprofit, so you really, the nonprofit world stuck. I stuck in yes. the nonprofit world. So <laughs> both of those, once you've, once you've gone social worker slash social work, it's, it's hard to quit, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, so actually our, our first night where we really hung out was Halloween. Um, and, and, uh, and we started to hang out a lot more after that. And um, slowly once we realized. Do you remember it was like, two in the morning on Halloween and we were watching my roommate like get a tattoo. Yes. And yeah. like, our, just like our roommate, my roommate was just like getting a random tattoo. There was a tattoo shop that was giving them away for really cheap because it was Halloween. And I think that she may have been somewhat inebriated. It was still safe, but we were, we were there watching her get tattooed. And clearly we were just like, well, this is, this is a forever love. Yes. <laughs> this is what it's meant to be. And here, here we are seven years later. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We were like looking into each other's eyes, having, having the best time. And she was just behind us getting sparrows tattooed right. on, on her closet. Shout out. Okay. So what happened after Halloween? Oh my gosh. Well, a lot. We, in the last seven years. So we, um, we dated in Austin, um, and there was HR paperwork involved and some, some good conversations. I think that we've, that set us up in a really interesting way because we had to be really thoughtful and intentional because we were working together and there were some like power dynamics at play. And I think that set us up to be like really thoughtful in our relationship because there's always stuff you're trying to navigate, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's like one person makes more money or one person wants to move or just like, there's a lot of different things you're trying to navigate. So we did that and, uh, we, around the time we'd been dating for two years, we moved to DC for Vince's work. He took a programming job in DC and we decided that we were going to do a cross country move and then get married and move in together for the first time all in like just a couple of months. And I was yeah. graduating from grad school. So we were like in this three month period, we're going to like move across the country I'm going to get finished grad school and we're going to get married. And so we did that. And it was a very interesting chapter. We got married on the beach in Ocean City, New Jersey. 
Yes. Uh, like people do destination wedding. <laughs> what, what did you guys have uh, a lot of people there or was this just the two of you? No, actually. So we, I have had the time of my life at weddings and I think they are such a fun event to be a part of with friends and family. Um, we but, like being wedding guests. Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> please they, invite us to your wedding. They seem very <laughs> stressful. Uh, and they seem not, uh, all in all in my, like to match my personality. Um, so what we decided to do is our families had actually never met right? because in two years, Uh you know, my brother is in Tennessee. My other brother's in North Carolina, Emma's family's in Texas. My parents are in Pennsylvania. So Mm. we decided to take a little bit of money that I guess would have been spent on wedding Mm -hmm. things and rent a house for a week. And we asked them to all come live in the same house with us for a week in New Jersey. Having never Mm -hmm. met each other, we were like, everyone just is going to come live in this house together for a week and then like come in on like Sunday night and then we'll get married. If everyone still likes each other, I guess we'll get married. (laughs) Well, if it goes well, then we'll get married on Friday. Uh, (laughs) I'm like, I'm sweating. I'm sweating right now. It's it's funny at the time it didn't seem as dicey, but now when you talk about hindsight, yeah, we've talked about that. That it seemed at the time, and so again, it's like we since we were talking about running before and how it taught me that like you can be really wrong about something, and in the moment all of that felt so normal to us. We were like, well, obviously we would do this big move and obviously we'd get married. And obviously our families would just live in the same house. And now we look at that and we're just like, wow, that was the noonies. Like that was wild. And it went so well, but such an interesting thing. And so I, I think sometimes that really taught us like, we'll take, sometimes we just stop and we look at our lives and we're like, what are we going to think about this in like a year? You know what I'm saying? Like, especially with the pandemic now and like, doing all this she's like gosh what are we gonna think about this in a year but you so you had all of them there so Mm -hmm. it's just family for the actual marriage ceremony and did you do it on the beach was this on the beach oh and and actually um we uh this was prior to emma becoming a certified officiant and performing weddings herself yeah but we had asked our siblings to become certified online so that they could sign our wedding Uh, certificate yeah um the really fun thing in New Jersey, <laughs> just a little little tidbit about New Jersey weddings, um, you have to have three people sign them. You have to have the officiant and two witnesses. So it worked out perfectly because I have one sister and Vince has two brothers. So my sister signed as the officiant and they signed as witnesses. And so oh. it was really cool that they all they all got to be on the certificate. Wow. Um, and I, I, you did send me a photo um, mm-hmm. of you guys out there and pink dress. Tell me why pink. I honestly, I don't, I don't think it's very complicated. I bought a couple <laughs> of dresses off of Mod Cloth and I was like, which of these dresses will I wear? And I was like, this pink one. And that was it. It was beautiful. So was beautiful. I think I, I wish there was a cooler story about it sometimes, but I think. I just loved that pink dress. And I, yeah, so wear the pink dress if you like the pink dress. I think the more important question about uh, about clothing choice at our wedding Oh was, my God, the uh, shoelaces! 
I wore tennis shoes and the week before my laces had broken and I went to the Walgreens and the only laces they had to replace them were these bright neon green shoelaces. Oh man. And I wore them and it's all Emma can ever see in our wedding. I just like, I didn't think about it at all at the time. And I like, and everyone was so sweet. They coordinated with like our family there. And we were like, wear something maybe like in this color scheme. Like we like these color palettes and that we will all look like we belong in this picture together. And so like people did, they bought stuff they liked. And then like, there's these neon green <laughs> shoelaces and they're like 8,000 feet too long. And like, for some reason, I never, probably because we were getting married and I was, you know, thinking about other things. But now, so like now if you, this podcast is released and you see the picture, hopefully you well, can yeah. see the same shoelaces because they're, yeah, they're like so green. Yes. I have, I've seen the, the picture you sent me. I'm not sure if the shoelaces are in there because I do not remember green neon shoelaces. Oh, man. I remember the pink now, dress. Now I've, now I've tipped you off. So now I, I know. you'll be able to see. It's yeah, like finding yeah. Waldo in a picture. Right. It's just going to be there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you guys have this uh, family wedding um, mm-hmm. and then, th- so that was five years ago, Correct. Just about, yeah. Been married five years. Okay. Yeah, yes. Um, so what next? So we lived in D.C. for a year, and it just wasn't really for us. We just weren't really feeling connected to the city. Mm-hmm. It was really expensive. And so we were kind of, well, we thought we were going to be there a lot longer. And mm-hmm. when that turned out to not be true, we kind of had to scramble. And we decided to move to Pittsburgh, um, where Vince, Vince grew up here in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And we had some family, and he knew the city. And I really loved Pittsburgh. I'd gotten to visit once, and I really loved it. So we moved to Pittsburgh. We bought this very old yellow house in um a neighborhood that's like in the city, but still near a park. So we were like, oh, it's kind of the best of the both worlds. Um, it's like the ugliest house in a nice neighborhood, which is not a bad situation to be in. No, that's um, not, totally my house right now. Yeah, we're right <laughs> next to houses that are very like historic and um, and beautiful and ours is is not. And that we had to uh, kind of volley with the raccoons that lived in the abandoned house next door. Um, but we, we moved in, we started life here in Pittsburgh. And we, I pretty much was ready to like start a family right away. And so we had started talking about it and we decided we were going to try to adopt from the foster system. And that was, Mm. that's where the next chapter begins, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So we had moved to Pittsburgh and we started that pretty much immediately after, um, as well as we, uh, became, uh, pet owners (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I feel like, I feel like, um, yeah, like that portion of our lives to think back on it. And especially now that Emma's becoming a coach for dating and mating, it's funny because you forget that, um, along the way there were, there's always these like milestones or mm-hmm. these checkpoints. And sometimes you can get stuck into feeling that you have to check off certain things or do mm-hmm. it the way, you know, to, to mm-hmm. plan, um, you know, get, getting married or, um, uh, uh, buying your first house or becoming pet owners mm-hmm. and, and doing all these things. Um, but yeah, so we moved to, to Pittsburgh, um, and we started to, um, go through the process of becoming certified to become foster parents and to potentially adopt that way. Yeah. And that was something that was really important to you. You've always kind of had a heart for adoption. That was something that meant a lot to you. Mm. Yeah. 
But it was a, um, in terms of the process for us, it was really difficult. And it was during a time when Emma, I think, was having um, a hard time. And I think one of the interesting things for me in in the the span of our relationship is that um, sometimes I think I had, uh, I was surprised at how much I think I had underestimated the changes that my partner was going through at the time, Mm -hmm. you know, like she sometimes had to remind me that we were, you know, 1500 miles away from her home (laughs) and, and she had just changed jobs again. It was in this place. And, and for me, um, I know this dynamic can happen a lot between people in a relationship, which is for me, we were in the place I grew up in and my parents were here and I had all these comfortable kind of checkpoints. I knew where the grocery store was and I, I could, um, kind of blend in, you know, with, with the, the locals a little bit. Um, and so I think she was just going through a a harder time and, Mm -hmm. and it was important to be, mindful of that and and really like try to be supportive um because sometimes I think I would I would think well we're here and we're thriving but in terms of relationships um that both people process things on much different timelines and so um we had started that adoption process and um I'm not sure we were both ready for it when we Mm. had started I don't know that you're yeah I don't know that you're ever ready but it's funny hearing you talk about like this idea of checkboxes and that like for us, we were like, well, this will be like a year or two and this will be like another like moment we've checked off. And here we are like three or four years later, <laughs> like still very much in the middle or maybe even the beginning of that story. So it's like, it's funny to look back mm-hmm. on that. And, and that's true wherever you're at, whether it's that you're in the middle of a breakup or in the middle of dating or in a new relationship or married, like, it's so easy to think this is just going to be a moment when really it's going to be a quest. It's going to be a journey. Mm. And I think like you and I, Vince, like we switched because when we first met, you hadn't really like dated anyone. And you were just like, dating is like the worst and confusing and weird. And I was like, no, dating is so fun. And we will date. (laughs) It's great. And I'm obsessed with you. Like, this is ideal. Let's do this. And so like, I, you were kind of like dating is, is a hot mess. I don't know how to deal with it. And then when we got married, I was like, marriage is a hot mess. I don't know how to be <laughs> married or do any of that. And you were just like, no, we, we're doing it. We did it. And so it's like, yeah. we kind of swapped a little bit in that, that, like, that first like year or two of marriage where I was just like, I don't know how to do any of this. And you're like, no, we're doing it. We already did it. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. But yeah, that was, that was, that was a dark chapter that anybody who's gone through that process mm-hmm. um, knows how truly challenging it is. And I think as a social worker, um, you know, I had worked with the foster system and I knew it would be difficult, but knowing something will be difficult and actually experiencing it are obviously like very different things. And we got to a place, I think around a year, a year and a half of that journey where we really had to make a decision about whether or not we were going to do emergency placements and kind of like keep this journey going with the foster system or if we were just really burnt out and just like kind of done and it it wasn't meant to be and we decided at that point that it wasn't and it sounds like for you Emma you were experiencing uh something on both sides of the fence you know as a social worker but then also as yourself yeah and those are you you know 
you know, fully both sides of those. And they're very, two very different experiences. Uh, you said it. I, I wish you would. I wish somebody would. I wish I could have understood that like back in the day, but I just didn't. And I just, it was everything all the day, all mm-hmm. the time. Like my life was just filled with systems that are so broken and children you can't protect. And it just was so overwhelming. And I think timing is everything sometimes like timing is essential and yeah. it just wasn't the time for us. I don't know what you think Vince, but yeah. Well, I think, I think with things <clears throat> of that nature or decisions like that, one of the kind of double-edged natures of them is that they can bring you very close together because you're doing this, you're doing yeah. this very challenging thing that requires you to be on the same page that requires you to support one another. But then when things get tough, you know, like, and you, you start to, it starts to grade down your empathy or you're, you're starting to feel frustrated. They can also be things that can really tear a relationship apart if you're, if you're not on the same page and you're not communicating. And so it was hard because, um, it involved a a lot of moments where Mm. we had to explain why we wanted what we wanted and, and, um, explain that to our partner without forcing one decision or another. And we, we had right. a lot of moments where I always used to reference this cliche, which is like very, very cliche. How cliche but, is that? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, well, I guess uh, for cinephiles or, or people who watch a lot of movies, it's probably a, a, a common one. But I used to say there were a lot of decisions where both keys on the submarine had to be turned and and one of us wasn't was just standing there like a deer in the headlights being like, I don't know if I can turn the key on this. And uh, having to build up patience for that and understanding for that and and like really, really meaning and not just saying like, it's okay, we don't have to do this because, you know, um, it can be common areas where you build up resentment, where you you feel frustrated, where you, you could potentially think, we're going in two different directions and, and, you know, this is, this is something that, that is, uh, uh, I guess, uh, could, could be troublesome or could mm-hmm. be, you know, a sign that we're, we're not in alignment, but, um, yeah. and like, we just, it took up so much freaking time, like as it's supposed to, it just took up everything. It's like, if you're everybody, I think in their relationship, it may not be infertility. It may not be adopting, you know, whatever it is for you you will have some crisis and it will, it'll be like a gas. It'll just expand to take up all the time and space will give it. Like it just would have taken up every minute of every day if we would have let it. And some days it felt like it was doing that. And it had just, that was the time before I had really started running before we had really started doing a lot of things together. And I think there was this void in our partnership where we were doing things together. I remember us just like having this conversation that like, this is not sexy. Like our deep Mm. grief and our frustration and like all of this paperwork, none of it is fun and none of it is sexy. And life isn't supposed to just be fun and sexy, but it has to have some element of like fun and sexy to it. Yeah. And I think that's something that we got better at from that experience was just being like, okay, like where are we doing fun, sexy things together and not just doing the hard work of life. Yeah. yeah. It, it was kind of like the, the thing about juggling and just not letting all the other balls drop right. in your relationship because this one just became everything, the biggest so one. Prominent, yeah. 
Yeah. And, um, and then we ended that process and a couple months later, <laughs> oh, we laugh. A couple months later, <laughs> we realized <laughs> we went to doctors. We had, we, we were like, okay, well, like maybe we'll try to have a baby. Um, maybe that's like what this chapter is for. Like maybe that's what we'll try. And then we can circle back to this. Um, and it turns out like we cannot, we cannot have babies. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't make them. So and it wasn't going to be an option for us to do, um, cause sometimes couples can't make babies, but they can do sort of like an IVF where they can make fertilized eggs outside of the womb and then like invite the egg back in. Um, and <laughs> I love the way you describe it. <laughs> yeah. It's like the difference between like, can you make cookies at home or like, do you go get them at the big, like, you know, maybe you bring the, the flour and the water to a friend's house and you bring the cookies back home when they're made, whatever. Wow. We couldn't do either of those, right? <laughs> we couldn't, we couldn't make the cookies at we home. Cookie we, yeah. <laughs> we couldn't bring flour and water and eggs to somebody else's, you know, space and then bring cookies home. Like it was, it was not going to happen at all. And we were just like, we, I don't know, I feel like this is true. We were just like, we have to be the only dum-dums who have like unsuccessfully adopted from foster care and then realized that we could not have children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we laugh. And, and I think uh, one of the interesting things about it is, um, I guess, two things, uh, not to, uh, you know, go on about it, but um Two things that are really interesting about it is I think that anyone who's not interested in our infertility story stopped listening so <laughs> yeah. long ago. They're uh, listening to WTF now. Like they're they've moved on. Um, yeah, I, I think I think one of the things is that it, in some sense it wasn't uncommon. You know, like a lot of partners go through this yeah. when they have children, when their work gets really intense, when you know they, they right. everyone goes through these stages of life where your relationship becomes like a totally different thing and is prioritized yeah. differently um, and has different components. Uh, but we felt like our situation was unique because we didn't have children and we felt like we were already mm. fast forwarding our, yeah. our, our partnership to the point of kids where a lot of our conversations were really intense and serious and, mm. and we were dealing with a lot of letdowns mm. and, um, and so you know, like it, it took us and it took a long time to learn to schedule the other things within yeah. there, to schedule time to have fun together and to yeah. schedule like, you know, time to sit on the couch and, and just have like yeah. any kind of intimacy. Uh, yeah. And, um, and but, you know, what's funny is also it seemed unique. And for a second, it seemed like maybe it was different, but, uh, you know, a lot of people go through it yeah. and, and a lot of couples mm-hmm. have gone through it. And, and it's a matter of just finding those experiences that match yours and also having a little bit of confidence and, uh, and, uh, positivity about your own direction, like that, that your, yours may look different, but ultimately you'll find a lot of people going through similar yeah. things. So I, feel I like you really, I'm sorry, go ahead. You go ahead. I feel like you really, I feel like you really said a mouthful there in the sense that like one, we've, we've learned. And I think this is true for my daters too. You have to schedule it. I don't know who lied to us and shame the devil who did. I don't know who lied to us in life that told us that this stuff would just happen, that you would like find someone that you loved and you would somehow know 
right. just like in your life, you would find time to do these things. And like, that just isn't true. Like you have to find pockets of time. You have to make time. You have to prioritize it. If you don't do it, if you put a date night or if you put a conversation about money on the calendar and you don't do it, you have to reschedule it. Like, And so yeah. I think like we've learned that you really do have to schedule it. And yeah, like seeking out wisdom. And I think that's one of the things, an unintended consequence of the life coaching business is we're getting to share a little bit of our story with people. And we have, we have craved people's stories, like people who have taught us about marriage and Mm -hmm. infertility and like, even just like that we both work from home. And so like, what's it like when you just like your partner's also your coworker and also just like around all the time. And so like, we've really craved teachers and coaches and people to help us with that. And it's, but I don't think it would have occurred to us that like we could share our story with people, Mm. our dating story or our mating stories. So it's been interesting to get to do that like we're doing right now. Well, and you guys have an exciting new chapter about to begin in this uh, dating and mating story of the two of you. Mm. Do you want to share about that? I know a little bit because Emma, you've shared with me a little bit about this, but I think it's incredibly fascinating what you're doing. Yeah. So we took, after we realized we could not, we couldn't make cookies, couldn't buy them. Like we were just like out for the count. So we, (laughs) this is a terrible analogy and I'm going to regret that I went this way. Um, I'm so sorry to the, to the listeners. Um, so we like went on this really, like we took, I think almost a year and we were just like, let's look into all the options. Cause we could go back to trying to foster. We could try a private adoption. There's international adoption. There's all kinds mm-hmm. of strange medical options. The, I remember some very nice person being like, well, doesn't Vince have brothers or like, don't you have a brother-in-law? Like they could do like a sperm donation. And I was like, some choices in life are difficult and that's a very easy no. Like that is just like a clear, like, thank you for like bringing that to mind, but like also like, no, and never. And so we just looked at all these different medical options and all these different adoption options and tell the, tell the people what we landed on Vince. Yeah. So we, (laughs) I mean, we didn't know anything about embryo adoption um, or, or frozen embryo transfer. And Emma had heard from, um, someone she knew that they had had a relative who had gone through it. Um, and it was basically uh, similar to the adoption process we had went through in that, you know, you make a profile and you have matching families that look through profiles. And that seemed all very familiar to us because that okay. was the majority of our two years in foster to adopt, um, you know, getting profiles of kids mm-hmm. and and, and uh, agencies getting our profile. Um, but uh, so basically we spent it, uh, getting certified again. Um, and this is for embryo adoption. Yes. So this is for embryo adoption, which is, uh, there is a couple out there that we are eventually matched with, uh, who have fertilized embryos that went through their own, uh, kind of challenges with infertility. Um, and then after they have children and they decide, uh, what to do with their, um, with the embryos that they had not used. So basically a couple had went through IVF. So mm-hmm. there are couples all around the world who do IVF and they wind up with a collection of fertilized eggs. So embryos that they could use. And sometimes people use those embryos. They have children, they've completed their family, but then they have one, two, three, four, five like embryos that they, they no longer want to use because their family gotcha. is complete. 
So their options are either to destroy the embryos, to donate them to science, to anonymously donate maybe to a clinic that will give them out to different families, or to do what Vince is talking about, which is embryo adoption, where they go through a process to be matched with a family so they can give all their embryos to one family, and that family can hopefully then have children. Yeah, and we've been, uh, you know, uh, it's been... Uh, a challenging process, but also in some ways a total 180 in terms of like, you know, when you're going through privatized methods like this, yeah. you, know, you, you get responses a lot quicker. There's a, mm. there's a lot, there still can be heartbreak in it, but mm. there's a lot less of those really kind of road bumps that you hit that you have to kind of figure out. Yeah. And so we, we did a lot of um, there's kind of the, the adoption angle of it and then the medical angle of it. So we did a lot of training. We filled a lot of paperwork. We did a lot of criminal background checks. Um, we wrote a family profile. We did a, we had a home visit where mm. someone came and looked at our home. We had um, a marriage assessment. We did, uh, we sent them our taxes. Like we, we did a wow. lot of paperwork to be um, vetted as a family, which makes sense because someone's trying to give you their embryos and they want to know who you are. Um, and then we were matched with a family. So, and we, I should mention, we did all this through Snowflake. There are different ways to do this, but we did this through Snowflake adoption because embryos are frozen. So the embryos are frozen. Um, and so we did, we went through that process. We were matched. The embryos then get shipped like in, in fancy mail to a clinic. And then the medical part of the journey begins, which is kind of where we are now. So it's just like sharing your cervix to way more people than you would prefer. <laughs> like just so many more people than you would like. And, yeah. um, a lot of pills and doctor's visits and shots and, and trying to basically get your body to a place where it could be ready. So they could thaw the embryo, um, put the cookie in the oven and hopefully that works out. So we're in the medical part of that process. You pulled the whole cookie analogy all the way through. (laughs) All the way back. Right. Now we have cookies. We legally own, we legally own nine embryos it's shocking we don't have like our own bakery or something we have nine we have a beautiful family has given us nine embryos wow. um that does not mean we plan on having nine children <laughs> that means that we do have nine embryos and um we're in the process and so basically we they got to see our profile we got to see a profile of them and we'll have like a semi-open adoption with them. So there will be contact throughout. If, if this is successful and we have children, there'll be mm. contact throughout that child's life. So they can understand, right? Like where they came from. And, um, but yeah, so now our experience mm. looks much more common, like much more like what people who do IVF experience, right? So it's very similar gotcha. to the final phase of IVF. So folks out there who have gone, have gone through that, um, this is very similar and it's, it's been wild. This is an exciting next chapter. This is this is really uh, yeah. a yeah. I mean, I know it's I know it's still a lot of a lot of work and um, and probably still a roller coaster of emotions. But it seems like even just because I can visually see you guys just watching the light 
um, when you guys talk about this chapter, like there's, there's hope, there's excitement ahead of what could be next. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it, it's, it's been um, really exciting. And I think it's also been a process that has allowed um, us to be more of ourselves and be okay with mm-hmm. this time alone um, or like this time as us as like, it's funny because sometimes I say like we're single, but we're, we're not single. Like we are in a partnership, mm-hmm. but we are like, um, we are, uh, don't have any kids. So like, we're still in this period of like, yeah. we are kind of, you know, we have our own goals and things that we do that we make aligned, uh, but we're kind of both pushing ourselves and, um, not that kids will like automatically just give you alignment, but they give you this kind of common <laughs> goal that, that absorbs yes. a lot of the energy of your life. Yes. Um, which makes it even more important at, important at a certain point to align everything else and make sure you do have time to manage things in your relationship. But, um, you know, like, but compared to two years ago, I think, um, we've been able to find a lot more comfort in this kind of waiting period of yeah. like mm-hmm. when you're waiting for the next phase of your life and of your partnership to start. Um, you know, sometimes it can feel like you're just constantly waiting to live your life or, or to yeah. finish, finish the next thing. And so I think we've become a lot more comfortable in, in finding the things in life right now that we are enjoying and and the things we want to achieve uh, while still working through this process. Yeah, I think there's less of this sense of like finish lines because there really isn't, right? This is just, you know, we were talking about running earlier. This is really just like mile five, right? Like this is, we're going through this medical process and if it's successful, then there might be a pregnancy and then that's a whole new chapter. And if that's successful, we have a child and that's like the longest chapter. And like, and if it doesn't, like there's a reality where, you know, a year from now, like we've tried this and it didn't happen for us. And that's the beginning of a new chapter. So I think we've all learned that it's, you it's too easy sometimes to think about life. Like we were saying about checkpoints or destinations or like, well, if I just make it to this next phase, but it's, it's not, there's, this is the, this next embryo transfer won't be a finish line. It won't be an ending. It'll just be a new beginning. Absolutely. Well, um, uh, so I, I'm, I'm curious um, in with, with you guys, you you're on this uh, incredible journey. Um, like I said, every time you start to talk about something, I have like 10 more questions and I want to dive in even more. And I know we don't have the time for that, but I would, I would like, uh, I would like uh, to ask you guys this. Um, You both have kind of mentioned it about scheduling um, each other into life and not just, not just expecting that it's just going to randomly happen, that you're going to find these moments. And, and with, uh, I think you're not unusual now that two people are working from home where more and more people are in that um, space of doing that now. And, and for some people, it also means their kids are home in ways that they weren't before and uh, that sort of thing. So um, with uh, having a marriage relationship 
that is also a coworker relationship. Okay. I know you guys don't work for the same companies or anything, yeah. but, um, but you, but you, you know, yeah, you exist there all day. we doing your work, um, together. Mm-hmm. And, um, what is it that you have right now currently in your life that you are scheduling in? Do you have a date night? Do you have certain things that you try and do every, every day or every week? Um, is there something that you guys are doing in your relationship that you, that's very intentional? Oh. <laughs> besides our, besides our child. Oh, Murphy. He held it together for so long. Oh. Awesome. Um, but is there something that you guys, uh, that you guys have um, intentionally placed in your life on a regular basis that builds into your relationship that takes you out of those spaces of stress, out of those spaces of co-working and lets you uh, relish in the relationship? Yeah. And I, and I want to say too, that we had been, we had worked from home before both of us. And so Vince was working remotely for a company and I was working um, remotely as a stylist and it's so different in a pandemic too. Like it's, it's just different co-working, like working from home during a collective experience of stress and trauma and fear is yes. very different from just like working from home right. together. So I don't know who needs to hear that. Like, but again, that idea <laughs> of like being hard on yourself, you're like, I can't fix the radio. And it's like, but you're also driving the car. Like it's difficult to get work done sometimes when you are working in a house with your partner and your workspace is also your home space and your partner is also your coworker. And doing that during the pandemic has just been a totally different experience for us as well. So definitely a lot of compassion there. But I things that have helped us do this, Vince, what would you say some of them have been? Yeah, um, <laughs> actually, it's funny. Once this all started, uh, we had not done this previously, but we went through a real phase of scheduling our lunch together. Mm-hmm. Oh. Of like scheduling like one o'clock, we are both stopping work. We're going downstairs, we are making our lunch together and yeah. we're sitting at a table like with or sitting on the porch without our phones. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that was great because like our desks are right next to each other. And so when this all happened, I set up a desk up in upstairs and yeah. didn't want to hurt Emma's feelings, but was like, we need to not see each other for part of the mm-hmm. day. And you yeah. know, like um because I think one of the things is your the stress and frustrations that you have at work. Your partner now has to also take those on mm. as as well as the stress and frustrations of other things, um, and that can be uh, difficult. So I know lunch was like one thing we really, mm. really. Um, we kind of had this illusion of together. We were never really separate and never really together because we were never really together. Because when we were together, we were like either working. Or like our phones had become this like new part of our relationship. And like we didn't, our parents didn't have smartphones. So it's not like we grew up with them showing us lessons about how to do that. It's not like Mm -hmm. that was a part that we grew up learning how to deal with. Like you learn about like maybe conflict or how you want to, you know, have that space. And so we realized there was a lot of time we were together, but we weren't truly together because we weren't giving each other attention. And then we were never really separate because we were still in the same house. We were still like in the same space. And so like working from different spaces and scheduling times where we could truly be together. So we were both times where we were truly separate from each other. Even if it's just that like, um, and my friends with kids, I know I've done this, like 
you just need to be in a separate part of the house and like, don't come find me. Like, unless something is like on fire or bleeding, like don't come find me. Like I just need to be by myself or I need to have my own Zoom date with my own friends. But trying to find times when we could truly be together and truly be apart. And then I think Vince and I both, we've had to like, just learn how to approach each other about phones and just like gently be like, stop looking at your phone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I think if you sit in a room with someone Mm -hmm. and, and, even when we watch TV or we watch movies or something, sometimes we can, it'll be nice to kind of uh, snuggle up on the couch or, or to be close to one another. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes we can kid ourselves that, you know, that that counts or that, you know, like, or mm-hmm. later on in the day convince yourself, I still need my alone time, like away from that person. But yeah. you didn't really... Uh, you know, and, and there's different types of, of bonding together. I think that's the biggest thing is figuring out what activities give you that feeling of intimacy Yeah, because we do like weekly trivia with our friends over zoom, uh, because we used to do bar trivia before this and Uh. we do it together and it's with friends. So you may, some people may not categorize that at all as intimate time or like mm-hmm. time you're working on your relationship. And other people might think that's really great. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. um, I happen to think like uh, that moment is really nice. It's even better with Emma. Like, it, you know, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I don't like doing it without her because I think it's an event we can both have and enjoy mm-hmm. and it builds a bond between us. Right. And then, there's the other things that are like, yeah. you know, uh, planning dates or activities or things um, that that give you both the energy or the feel of feeling close. Yeah, I think one of the, the things I'll say with, with clients, whether it's that they're trying to do more interesting dates or they're in a partnership, is like, okay, if you had like five or seven, you only had five or seven minutes and maybe like very limited technology or no technology and you couldn't you couldn't do anything you've done before as a date, what would you do? Wow. Right? And like try to come up with three or five things. And again, we can set up all these roadblocks about like, well, there's not enough time or I can only think of things that I've already done or things that are boring. But like, could you ask your partner a question you've never asked them? Yeah. Like, is there a game that you've never played? Could you create something like artistic in like three minutes with just the stuff on your desk? Like just get a little weird. Like you got to get a little weird when you're really stressed and you're stuck with your partner all the time and that has worked for us so finding times when you're truly separate and truly together and then just like try to get a little weird try to do some stuff you've never done some of it won't work and some of it you'll discover something new and you'll have that in the in the love bank that you can return to oh love bank I like that (laughs) um you know I think this is uh this is so um very tangible for all of us who are going through this crazy new world we're living in right now. Mm -hmm. And we are being forced to think differently, interact differently. Um, What we used to consider, uh, you know, going out, like you said, trivia with Mm -hmm. friends at a bar. uh, Oh, we got to change this up, but we still need a lot of the same things and learning Mm -hmm. to be creative and how we can have those, uh, those same needs with a different uh, set of rules, a different circumstance um, to do it in. Um, I think that's just a very tangible and very um, uh, good, just great takeaway to go home with. Um, that advice of a five to seven minute 
you know, mm-hmm. challenge. That's just like, my, I'm sitting here going, Oh, what would it? Yeah. 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 So, um, so thank you for that. Thank you for, um, for sharing all of this, um, the vulnerability of your relationship and what you guys are, are, have gone through and what you're going through. Um, I feel after this, and this is happens to me every time I, um, I listen to people's life stories, you feel more connected to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when I hear, um, Emma talk about, you know, her life, I have this fuller picture now, um, because I can connect to the fuller story. You know, it's not just Emma's half now, it's Vince's half too. Um, but, uh, before we, we check out and we, uh, leave this conversation, I do want people to be able to, if they've connected with your story, they've connected with, um, what it is that you do, um, in your coaching, Emma, I want them to be able to find you. So how Mm -hmm. would they find you if they want to get in touch with dating, mating and more? Yeah, absolutely. So the easiest way is to go to datingmatingandmore.com. So just go to datingmatingandmore.com. And at that site, you can do a couple of things. You can start following me on Instagrams or on Facebooks, and you can sign up for my newsletter. And one of the really fun things with that is when you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get a free copy of my Habit of Love workbook. And so some of the ideas like we're talking about, about trying to get creative and find small pockets of time to truly be together and make love a little bit of a habit so it doesn't feel like we're always trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, I created that workbook to help other folks do it. It's a lot of the stuff that's helped us. So if you liked that idea, go to datingmating um, and more.com and you can sign up for the newsletter and you'll get that habit of love workbook. And look, look out, because in September, I'm going to be doing um, a workshop called the Love Remix to help people, you know, because it is, it's been a really long and difficult yeah. quarantine for a lot of folks. And people are reexamining what they want out of their love life and what the next chapter is. And so this is going to be a space for folks to do that. So keep an eye out for that. Well, that's really exciting. And um, I know I've been hitting up your resources and just finding things to be inspiring, fun, challenging, thought provoking, um, getting me out of my, um, you know, rut, my headspace on Mm -hmm. things that I'm used to, how I'm used to interacting in my relationships and having that other input and um, challenge is so healthy and so good. and thank you, Vince, again, for sharing your time with us and letting me get to know you. And um, I'm just, you guys are just a dynamic couple. I wish everybody could see you guys interact as much as hear you guys interact because um, just the the glances back and forth, all of it, it's just very magical. And um, thank you for letting me share that space with you. I really appreciate it. So thank you. Yeah. Well, guys, um, we're going to check out, but please check out um, Emma's website and um, get connected with her on social media. She puts out a lot of really fun stuff. And we're all going to be rooting for you guys in this next phase of your journey. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, you'll have to have us back on uh, next summer to see what happens. Oh, yeah. The end of the story. Or the the next chapter. There are no ends. There are no finish lines. (laughs) You got me. Okay. Well, thanks, thanks, guys. We'll check you out next summer. All right. See you then. Sounds good. Thank you for listening. 
and may you keep connecting all the beautiful parts of you.